On today's episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast, we return once again to the 101 Mistakes to Avoid in Coaching by Thomas Leonard. I will give you my take on what he was saying there, but you can, of course, ignore what I'm saying and just make notes of what he said if you want to. That's okay, too. I won't be offended. Just glad you're listening. Stay tuned. You are listening to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast a show devoted to uncovering the systems and the secrets that set the best apart, where you learn how to take your coaching clients to the next level, while you grow the coaching practice of your dreams. So sit back and relax, or sit up and get excited. Either way, you might want to pay attention. This could be important. Welcome back to the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Today we're going to continue on with our 101 coaching mistakes to avoid. We're going to go from number 21 to 30 in this list that Thomas Leonard uh, put together all those years ago. And so with no further ado, let's get into them. These are great, just by the way. I'm really enjoying going through these with you, um, really reminding myself of them because it's been quite a few years since I actually first saw this list, was introduced to this list, and it's 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 good. It's good to review things, isn't it? It's good to review things that may be seeming like basics, like, oh yeah, I knew that already. But to review it, to get it again, is so important to get us like really honing your skills. As a musician, you know, you play scales every day. Even though you learned scales when you were a kid, whatever, you still do them every day. Um, it's just really important. Really important. So, here we go with no further ado. Mistake number one, according to Thomas Leonard's 101 ways, number 21 is not hearing what the client is saying. At some point during normal conversations, Thomas wrote, people stop listening because they can guess what the person is about to say next. This is so important. When I do coaching with people, I think it was Robert Diltz and, and uh, Stephen Gilligan who, who talked about getting into a coach state. And I, I've never studied coaching with them directly, but I understand what they mean by this coach state. We've talked about it in previous episodes, but it is, to me, it's about joining, just turning everything else off and tuning into the client, tuning into the client, just being in that space with them, holding the space with them and really listening. Because the trick is to, to recognize that everything that they're saying, they're saying for the first time. Even if you've heard it before, fact is you've never heard it like this before, because every time they say it is differently. Another very interesting thing about listening, there's a thing called active listening, which you're, I'm sure, familiar with, which is basically you do what in NLP we refer to as, um, uh, uh, don't tell me, don't tell me, um, I can't remember the name of it. <laughs> I learned it from my friend Kevin Creedon, but it's been a while. I, it will come back to backtracking. It's called backtracking. Thank you very much. So what you do with that is you listen to what the person said, and then you sort of stop them while you can still remember what they've said and say, so what you're saying is, and then you repeat back to them word for word what they just said. Only difference was at the end of the sentence, you lift up your tonality as if it's a question. So you're saying back to them exactly what they've said as a question. And that is fascinating to do because very interesting thing about the brain, the human brain has different 
parts that do different things. The part of your brain that creates speech, that formulates words, is a different part of your brain that listens to words. So fascinatingly, the person who has just said what they said has never heard what they've just said. Let me say that again. The person who just said what they said has never heard what they just said because it's a different part of their brain that speaks rather than listens. So if you do this, if you listen, if you listen to what they said and then repeat back to them what they said, they will be hearing it for the first time. So when you do that in the form of a question in this backtracking thing, so you're saying that, do 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 repeat back to them just what they said in the question, they'll go like, oh, well, no, not exactly, or, or yes, that's exactly, or whatever it might be. But it's really great for them to hear that. So in order for you to do that, you've got to be what? Tuned into them. You can't be thinking about what else is uh, my news feed or who's tweeting what or blah, blah, blah. No, you can't be looking something up on Google. It doesn't matter. You stay in the moment with the person. So you're getting paid to do this. So pay attention, respect your clients, pay attention, ask questions. Even if you're sure you understand, seek to learn, not to assume. That is actually Thomas Leonard's last line in this little mistake number 21. Seek to learn, not to assume. Mistake to avoid in coaching number 22, letting the client rattle you. Clients will say things to you about you or your coaching that may upset or rattle you. Don't step over any digs, disses, or off comments. Find out what's behind their concern and at the same time, extend your boundaries to protect you. Clear, clean, and full communication is part of the agreement between coach and client. And it's up to you to ensure that the client honors this. Clients are human and have bad days. Do understand and be patient, but don't step over it. So in other words, you got backbone. And while they can say things that are offensive sometimes, I, I, I would tell you a story. I think I can probably, this, this particular person has passed on to the great beyond. So I, I, don't, I won't mention her name. But I had a client who thought that since she was paying me for coaching, that she could say whatever she wanted to say. And that I, you know, she had this notion that therapists are just like these placid receivers of whatever, and, and that their, their clients, um, patients, maybe she was thinking of a uh, Freudian model or something, I don't know. But um, that in the, the guise of therapy, that we would just let them say whatever they wanted to say. And he's kind of like, yes, I understand. Oh, oh, how do you feel about that? Oh, oh, oh. But I didn't. I, I recognized that she was doing a thing. And I said, okay, well, let me just tell you, uh, that's unacceptable here. You know, I expect to be treated like a, a, a you know, courteously. You can, if you're emotional about things, that's fine. But I am not going to take this. We, we can resume this again next week. And I hung up. And, you know, you just leave it there. And then when she called back, I, I answered politely. And then I said, oh, are you ready to talk about this, you know, <laughs> as a polite human being? Um, and it, it, it didn't last long, but that was a really important 
little moment in our in our in our sessions and it was a kind of a breakthrough it changed the tone it changed the timbre and the theme of what we were doing the, the sort of um tone of what we we're doing for the rest of our of our coaching together you know we were i was not a punching bag i was not somebody that she could let her stuff out on i was a, a co-explorer we were looking at this situation in her life together so don't let them rattle you. Sometimes they will do that for whatever reason, and you, you hold your ground and you stay calm and stay centered and realize it's really not about you. It's not about you. I think for me, the advantage in that particular situation is that I'd been coaching long enough to know that it, it wasn't about me, you know, that she was, you know, saying these things about me, but they weren't really about me. They were about her and her feelings about certain things, men or therapists or whatever life right so it wasn't about me it was just a, a focal point where she was letting out and venting so i was able to say you know I, I i i can see that this deluge is not about me just like as an example right now it's um it's raining outside it's a very wet day outside there's this little bird i'm looking at sitting on our fence post He's just been sitting there the whole time. I don't think he's really listening to me, but he's just sitting right outside the window there. And it's pouring rain out. This is the remnants of a hurricane that has come up from southern states. Did a lot more damage early on, but now we're just getting a lot of rain. I'm getting three to six inches of rain today. It's a lot of rain. He's just sitting out there. He's not offended by it. He's just letting it wash off him like water off a duck's back, you know. So... That's a perfect example. He's a great coach, that little bird. Bird on the fence post. Coaching mistake number 23 to avoid. Laying your personal OS on the client. Personal OS is the personal operating system, a.k.a. laying your trip on the client. Yeah, Thomas Leonard wrote these in the 90s. <laughs> so <laughs> might be slightly outdated. Hey, man, don't lay your trip on me. Well, what's up with that? I didn't know he was a hippie. But anyway, laying your trip on, on the client. So what works for you won't necessarily work for or even be right for some of your clients. The stretch for the coach is to be comfortable and effective with clients who think, operate, and live from a different set of rules, priorities, and assumptions than yours. That, that kind of well says it, doesn't it? It's curious that a lot of times people come from a certain background. Now, I I know that Thomas Leonard had a background of um, the Est world. He he was, I believe, the accountant for Werner Erhard. If we go back to the very first coaching interview that I did in this series with um, Coach Dave Buck, he was a very close friend with Thomas Leonard, and I believe that's what he told me in that interview, is that... Um, wasn't so much that Thomas Leonard was a est devotee or the forum devotee, um, but he, he worked for the guy. He, he was his accountant, Werner Erhardt's accountant. I believe that is the truth. And um, so, but still, a lot of the way of thinking of the forum of the est um, is is in Thomas Leonard's thinking. And yet, when he coached, he was never of that. He was never, you know, he he clearly some of these rules, some of his forms and stuff, you know, comes from that way of thinking. But he was able to be flexible with stuff. I remember, however, once, um, I won't mention any names, a person I know closely uh, related to me. 
was um, saying to another person close to me <laughs> that when she took the AST training back in the 80s, I think, he was like, oh, good, finally, somebody that I can talk to in the family. Um, as if they had their own vocabulary, if they had their own language and stuff. We don't, as coaches, want to have to have people adopt our way of, of thinking, our, our language, our, our rules, our way of being in the world. We are, we are there to be flexible and effective for each and every person that, that pays us to be a coach. That is our skill. That is our ability to, to be that, to help them become all that they can be and to support them in the way that they need to be supported. That's one of the reasons that coaching can work. I have coaches who are doctors, who are, you know, entrepreneurs. I have, I have clients. When I say coaches, I have clients, um, coaching clients, all sorts of walks of life. Um, developers, you know, massive building projects, you know, many people have, are, are, are benefiting from the coaching I do. I don't need to know anything about their business, about their skill set, about their rules, about their way of thinking. I can ask good questions and help them to become better them. And that's what coaching is all about. So don't lay your personal operating system on your client or require them to think the way you think in order to be helpful to them. Coaching mistake to avoid, number 24, getting sidetracked by diversions. Sometimes when clients don't want to achieve something, solve a problem or face something, they will create diversions, consciously or unconsciously. Typical diversions can include personal or professional crises, a new, much more interesting goal, Sudden interest in your life. Sudden interest in abstract or conceptual conversations. Rad attack talking about themselves or unrelated issues. The solution is to press the client to stick with and complete what they set out to achieve or resolve. I'll, I'll often find myself in some situations just saying, that's really interesting. Thank you. And let's go back for a moment to what we were talking about the beginning. Now, um, when we started off, you said that you were going to do this, this, and this. How's that going? And I'll just sort of bring them back to the conversation. I won't make them wrong. I won't make them wrong for having, you know, this diversion. I'll just gently remind them to stay on the track. It reminds me of a story. Milton Erickson uh, once, once, once asked, how does, how does psychotherapy work? How does his work with clients uh, how does Ericksonian psychotherapy work? And he said, well, you know, when I was a boy, I was walking home from school one day with some friends of mine, and this horse ran by me. Now, back in this day, when he was a kid, there were no cars, or very few of them. It was early 1900s. So this horse ran by him and ran into this farmer's yard and started drinking out of the trough in the farmer's yard. And the uh, farmer came out and said, hey, get your horse out of my yard. And Erickson said, well, sir, it's not, not my horse, but I'll make sure that he gets back where he, he belongs. And so Erickson took the horse and he brought him back out to the road, jumped up on his back and faced him the direction from whence he'd come and said, giddy up. Or words to that effect, actually, I wasn't there. But, uh, suffice it to say, it was, it was something like that. It got the horse going. And, and every now and again, the horse would get distracted and he'd start eating some daisies or other 
grass along the way or whatever. And Erickson would just, you know, bring his attention back to the road and say, come on, keep going, keep going. After a while, the horse turned down this other country road and turned into this other farmer's yard. Uh, the farmer came out and said, hey, thanks for bringing my horse back. How did you know where to bring him? And Erickson said, well, I didn't know. I didn't know. But I knew that the horse knew. And all I had to do was keep his attention on the road. So don't let your clients get distracted by diversions or don't let yourself get distracted by your clients' diversions. It happens. Coaching mistake number 25, pushing the client hard through blocks. All clients get stuck. How you and they handle this is important. Thomas writes, I prefer to obliterate the block than to push, pull, or convince the client to move through the block. In any case, blocks are there very often for a very good reason. So help the client to fully understand the nature and dynamic of the block instead of stressing the client to push through relentlessly. With true understanding and full acceptance, most blocks disappear on their own. One of the uh, hallmarks of Stephen Gilligan and Robert Diltz's coaching thing is this idea of acceptance, idea of being hospitable to what comes up. So you accept and you say, welcome to these blocks. Welcome. What are you here for? What's the benefit here? And you can actually gain a lot from those moments and those obstacles. So don't push too hard through blocks or try to, um, you know, pull or push or pull or convince them that the client has to move through the block. Be accepting of them. Learn from them. Coaching mistake number 26, avoiding difficult or touchy subjects. Clients hire you for specific work, but it's hard to do great coaching if you cannot include all relevant aspects of a client's life, work, or business. Rather than avoiding sensitive subjects, simply ask the client how much room you have to speak about stuff that they haven't brought up themselves. Or ask directly, can we talk about X? If X is important to you, it's probably important to the client as well. So, you know, how's your love life? I actually asked this with a client recently who was all about business. By the way, one of the reasons I really liked some of the forms, I think in a previous podcast we talked about the uh, the clean sweep form that you can do, is it is it gives an assessment of four different areas of life. And very often what you find when you do this assessment is that particularly a coaching client that comes to you might be doing great in one or two or even three of these four areas of life. But maybe that fourth area is, you know, conspicuously not as developed as the other areas. So that is not atypical. It's not atypical for somebody who's an entrepreneur or whatever. They might be focused so hard on business that their love life is in shambles or their financial life is in ruins or their health is crappy. You know, any number of things can be true. So sometimes you want to notice what is being avoided and don't avoid difficult topics or touchy subjects. Gently, bravely, and clearly explore them with the client. Remember, you guys are in this together. Coaching mistake to avoid number 27, not initiating topics of discussion. Now, you don't have to limit what gets discussed during a client coaching call strictly by what the client brings up. Thomas writes, 25 to 50% of the topics discussed are ones that I brought up 
at the beginning and or during the call. Obviously, segue to and from your topics and let the client decline if they aren't interested. But do bring stuff up that you feel is relevant. It's another way to add value and stay ahead of the client. And that is a great point, staying ahead of the client. What does that mean? The client wants to know that you are <laughs> worth the money, basically. That you are bringing them to a place where they wouldn't be ordinarily. That you're going to get them to a place in their life that they wouldn't achieve without you. So bringing these things up and, and pushing them and, and opening these up, these questions for, for discussion, is a really valuable service that you offer. Coaching mistake to avoid number 28, talking about yourself too much. Thomas writes, I feel it is valuable to share stuff about yourself, relevant experience, commiserating stories, illustrative anecdotes, personal challenges in certain areas and that you've been discussing, etc. The trick is to keep your sharing short. Any personal story of yours that runs over 60 seconds is suspect. This is so true. And don't be afraid of it either. Just don't do it too much. There's that balance that's so important here. Because it is important to talk about yourself. You do want to share these things. They want to know that you have been in their position before. Very important. And you can give them helpful guidance because you have been there before. And you can sort of say, hey, follow me. I know the way. The trick is to not be doing it too much. I have seen, because I've done a lot of work with different people over the years, I have seen some coaches who pretty much do all the talking. <laughs> you know, they pretty much do all the talking. And it's it's from a good place, good intention. But but you lead by saying, what what do you think? Let's go. Okay, great. You lead by saying, what about that direction? What about if you think, consider this? What about that? You get them to decide. You are empowering them. If your coaching is all about you, then you're not really empowering them. They might get to some places where they hadn't gone before. But you want to have them feel and really have it be true that they did it themselves so that ultimately they don't need you. Ultimately, they have grown to the point where, you know, they have gotten to the place where, honestly, they can leave the coaching nest, if you will, and, uh, and fly on their own. I'm still watching that little bird who's still on that fence post out there. It's really unusual to see uh, somebody like that stick on the post for so long. But he's still there. Very cute. It's still raining. <laughs> and coaching mistake number 29, not sharing personal experiences. So coaching isn't therapy. You can and are encouraged to share stuff about yourself and relevant life experiences when it will help the client better to understand themselves in the situation. Coaching is not therapy. Let me say that one more time. Coaching is not therapy. I have talked about this particular notion before because sometimes I have noticed people have started using the word coaching instead of the word therapy when it's kind of the same thing. I mean, they're doing kind of the same thing, calling it coaching when it's actually therapy that they're doing. Coaching, however, is not therapy. They are different. Primarily in, in therapy, you don't talk about yourself. You're, you're, you're a blank slate. One of the things that's, about, that's true about Freudian therapy, Freudian sort of uh, psychotherapy, is that the, the, 
the therapist is a blank slate. That way the, the, the patient can project onto the client, onto the therapist, and, and there you can do this transference thing. There can be counter-transference from the therapist to the client. These are really valuable things that happen in an ongoing therapy of that kind. When they're when the client when the sorry therapist is well trained to recognize and utilize these things, they can be very, very, very valuable. So therefore the therapist doesn't talk about his or herself in therapy. It's all about the client. It's like, oh wow, that's really interesting. Tell me more about that. How does it make you feel? You know, that's the kind of questions that they'll, they'll go so far to ask. But they're the therapist is is really thinking and analyzing, putting things together. So that way it's really valuable for them. Coaching, however, different. So if a client's going through something, I can say, well, yeah, that happened to me too, and blah, blah, blah. Keep it short, looking back to the previous you know, mistake to avoid, and using it, using that opportunity to give these questions, give these, uh, these, these shares that help you to go on. So if you put yourself on a limit of 30 to 60 seconds on your share, you probably would not go too far. And before I continue with coaching mistake to avoid number 30, I'd like to just mention that you might notice a different sound quality in the recording right about now, and that's because it's a different day. Uh, yesterday, as I noted, it was storming and um, power fluctuated and things went wonky just in the middle of my recording of mistake number three. So I, I'm, I'm re-recording this last part. It's too bad I was really brilliant. I mean, boy, wow. I was just at my best. You'll just have to take my word for it. Um, <laughs> I will do the best that I can with the resources that I have today. So yeah, it's it's nice, very sunny day today. It's probably, you might hear crickets chirping in the back instead of rain pouring down. That bird has left the fence um, <laughs> a long time ago at this point. But anyway, I digress. Let me go on to um, coaching mistake number 30, but from Thomas Leonard's 101 coaching mistakes to avoid. This one is called holding the client back. Thomas writes, in an effort to protect the client from failure, stress, or pain, the coach sometimes holds back their coaching or suggests the client scale back their goals. Tough call, he says, but I prefer to fully inform the client of the possible risks of their large goals and seek permission to be totally upfront as needed and then see how far the client can go. The mistake coaches make is to play God or to hold the client down to what the coach could do. Yeah, that's a really interesting one. I don't think that I am at least consciously guilty of this one very often, if ever. Um, I, I'm a big fan of dreaming big and seeing what you can do. Uh, and a lot of times these, these limitations that we have are unconscious to us. We're, we're other than consciously, you know, unaware of these limitations we have, these beliefs that we have. It's arguable that I have plenty instead of living in a, you know, castle, you know, I'm living in a very small little house right now. Now, I, I have a house, and I have an apartment in New York, and I'm happily married, and there's lots of great things that I'm incredibly grateful for, and it's also possible that I'd be in a very different, you know, structure right now if I had different beliefs about, you know, abundance, et cetera. 
so if somebody else has those, you know, like really super abundant beliefs and, and desires, and I'm their coach, it's possible. It's conceivable that I go like, well, you do really need a helicopter, you know, it's possible that my, my beliefs could get in the way. So we want to not do that. We want to never be the one that is the obstacle to the success of our coaching clients. So this is a, this is a tough one. This is a tough one. We have to like really be in our best coach self when we're dealing with somebody who's really got high aspirations. I have a couple of them myself right now, I will tell you. And, and frankly, if they succeed in the, the scale that they want to, they will far surpass my, my presence in the world, at least at the moment. I don't know what it, who knows what goes viral these days. And who knows? I don't know. But they are seeking that. They are seeking a large presence in the world and, and seeking my help to help them get there. So far, so good. I think it's working. And it's also something that I have to be aware of that, you know, these are their values. And I'm there to, you know, help them find what works for them to get to where they want to go. And that's one of the really interesting, tricky things about coaching that we need to be aware of, is how we can sometimes be the thing that holds the clients back. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to be guilty of holding the client back. So, that's coaching mistake number 30. We have done 30 of the top 101. There only are 101. We've done the top 30 of 101 coaching mistakes to avoid by Thomas Leonard. And we will do more in the future. Hope you tune back in to the next episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. This has been the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. Thank you for being here. It's a pleasure seeing you again. Hope to see you again real soon. Come back next week when we have another gripping and exciting episode of the Essential Coaching Skills Podcast. And if you want to, you can find out more about us, each and every one of us, at EssentialCoachingSkills.com. Thanks. Thanks.